ABC Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Hello and welcome, Hens FC, back with you for listeners across New South Wales. You're quite familiar with having us on your radio at this time on a Saturday afternoon. Special welcome today, Canberra, who we don't always have on board. In fact, we only have them on board very occasionally for Hens FC, but they're with us today. Uh, Welcome, and uh, just in case you're wondering what this is all about, it's about women talking about sport. That's it, that's it. That's all you need to know, and you need to know who the panel are who will be doing the talking about sport today. And it's funny the way it's panned out. I didn't realise until I was just chatting to the ladies off air. We've got all media and communication sports ladies today. And uh, as I think it was Rachel suggested, we can call this the spin mistress version of uh, Hens FC. But they are ladies who know their sport and are involved in it in all sorts of ways. We'll start with Jodie Hawkins, a regular on Hens FC. She's a media and communications person with her own company, but does mostly does a lot of work at this time of year for the Sydney Sixers for the BBL. Hi, Jodes. Welcome back. Good afternoon, Deb. How are you? I'm good. Um, Rachel Hickey, Media and Communications Manager for the Australian Rugby Union, who's been on the show once before, but good to have you back, Rachel. Thanks for having me. And Media and Communications Freelancer, Jude Cohen, who uh, one of the her particular passions is uh, golf, and you'll be working on the Australian Open that's coming up uh, not too far away now, Jude. Yep, not too far away, Debbie. It's actually coming around quicker than we think. Yeah, well, look, we might start with you, Jude, because this is only your second time on the program. So it's good to see you back. But it's always good to have someone who's keeping tabs on what's happening in golf, because it's not a topic that we get to very often. There's been a few big uh, developments in golf uh, in uh, the last few days. What, what, you know, just tell me about what's caught your eye most, because I know there was a a lowest ever uh, score in a, in a, a major event. By a woman. It was too, Debbie. Actually, I've only worked on the men's tour, but this was something that obviously stood out because this young 19-year-old Korean, Kim Hyu-ju, or Hyu-ju, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her name. She's 19, but she, she shot a 10 under 61 at the Evian Masters. Not only was it the lowest score by a woman, but the lowest by woman or man at a major championship. So it was just incredible. It's, you know, I mean... Weekend hackers out there would be crying into their into their coffee at you know the young girl doing this, but you know the Korean ladies are just amazing. They're the girls ain't from Korea. They're really moving up in the world. They're moving right up at a very young age. It's strange, isn't it, how one nationality can can dominate a sport that's played in so many countries around the world, and yet the men, the Korean men, don't have the same dominance. I mean, they they've produced a few. Uh, top-class golfers, but no one who's dominated like uh, some of the, the Korean women. Have. No, and I suppose it's really interesting when you look at, you know, an interesting thing about golf is people sort of look at sport for size and power and speed and whatever, and it's one of those sports that doesn't, you know, you don't have to have one of those things because these tiny little Korean girls are just shooting the lights out of courses and then you have your big-hitting Bubba Watsons and, you know, guys like that, and they're all, really, they make it a very even level of a sport we can be 16 or 55 or, or whatever. Yeah, well, she's 19, Kim Ho Hyu, uh, lowest ever score at a major. So that was a good one. And Carrie, uh, Carrie Webb's playing in that tournament as well. But uh, there's uh, some Australians involved in the end of season championships in the men's golf as well. Yeah, the tour championship in the, in the States. I mean, it's a, 
The bonus prize pool is ten million. Just a cool ten million. Yeah, because um, they haven't made enough money during the year. No, throw, the poor little things. <laughs> throw a few extra bucks their way, poor, poor professional male yeah. golfers. No, but it's um, it's great to see Jason Day is tied for second in, the, in this final event. It's the, sort of the top, you know, thirty. 30 players, and I think Adam's around about the tied 11th or 16th mark now. But, I mean, Jason Day has really – he has battled a lot of odds this year. He's had a terrible thumb and back injuries. He's t- like 26 years old. To have some of his back injuries, probably not great at his age. I mean, especially with, um, you know, how much golf they play. But he um, – not only has he had that, his, his coach, mentor, and really, you know, very very much father figure had to pull out seven holes into the first round because he'd done his back and after he they done had 1600 rounds of golf together until this happened to Cole but he um you know Jason's just kept going and he's sitting up there tied for second so hopefully he can um if he came that win obviously it makes it just great heading into our summer of golf because obviously Jason Adam Scott Rory McIlroy the big draw cards to come back to Australia and this this battle with it was going to be just Adam and Rory. Now it seems to be Adam, Rory, and Jason. So that makes it a lot, you know. Hey, by oh. the way, did any of you ladies see Peter Fitzsimons column this morning and the the retort or the comment that Carolyn Wozniacki made about Rory Rory McIlroy? Did you about see wearing that? the heels? Yeah, someone said, yes. how, how, oh. "What's changed? What's you know been the biggest change in your life since uh, since you split up with Rory?" And she said, "I can wear high heels." Whoa! You Nothing go. like having your relationship uh, held in public, is there? But anyway, no, no. Well, uh, that's great. So, just quickly, uh, the, the, as you mentioned, a lot of big names uh, heading this way for the summer of golf, which is great because we went through a lot of dry years in terms of big names coming to Australia. Who are you most looking forward to seeing? Oh, actually, Rory, probably. Yeah. I mean, I'll, obviously, Adam. Adjacent, You'll wear your flat Aussies. shoes. It'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> I wouldn't, even if I had ten meter heels on, Debbie, I'd still be shorter than Rory. But um, <laughs> no, it's great to see these young, exciting. These three especially make it very exciting you know you obviously and obviously there'll be a lot of young Aussie guys coming through with the open because it's an open championship so it's age you know professional unlimited but um but definitely yeah no those three coming back are um are going to make it very very interesting because Adam's defending two two of his titles he just missed to Rory with the Australian Open so I think that's always good and um yeah and like I said if Jason wins two championships that's three big mm. big names fantastic Jude Cohen great to have you on the panel today uh, Rachel Hickey well, we know, seeing as you're working for the Australian Rugby Union, I can imagine what your week has involved mostly has been to do with the Wallabies taking on Argentina tonight. What are you expecting there? That's right. Um, yeah, look, it's going to be a great game. Argentina, they've got a really, really strong scrum, uh, and so that'll be a real test for our boys. But um, it should be a fantastic game, and we're hoping for some clear weather because uh, some of our recent games we've had a bit of rain, and that just always makes it a bit tricky. Um, but, you know, the Wallabies had a had a fantastic win against South Africa right at the last minute. So it, was, it wasn't too good for the blood pressure, but um, fantastic results. And really, this is our um, our last test match on home soil for the rugby championship before they then go off to South Africa and Argentina. And then we'll have one more test, the third Bledisloe, up in Brisbane in October. So, you know, really getting into the business end of the, the rugby championship and, you know, one year out from the, the Rugby World Cup, it's great for us to be able to, um, you know, play the best in the world week in, week out and um, see how we're faring against them. Uh, and I noticed uh, we spoke last week and you were headed out to watch the Swans uh, final. Is that is that just an interest you have in the Swans or is it is it a business thing that you as a media and communications person like to go and see what the what the other big codes are doing? Uh, a little bit of both, but I have to say that, I mean, I'm from Albury, so it's all very much AFL dominated down there and we've always gone to the Swans as a family over the years. So 
I was out there with my dad last Saturday and mum and dad were up from Albury and dad was yelling out that Buddy was worth 20 million, not 10. So we're pretty <laughs> pretty happy with his performance. Um, but, you know, I, I just love all sports. So it's, it's great to be able to go and enjoy lots of different sports. Yeah, that's why it's great to have you on the panel because I've known from talking to you before that you don't just focus on the rugby union. That's your job, but you just about love anything in sport, which is the same with Jude too and definitely with Jodie Hawkins, but we know that because Jodie's been here so many times and spoken about so many sports. But at the moment, I guess you've kind of uh, really locked into preparing for the um, Big Bash League. Yes, so we start in December, uh, but funnily enough, we start heading out to the community next month, which is really exciting. It's, It's nice to be talking about cricket and looking to play cricket, pack the jumpers away, thank heavens, summer's almost here. So we're, yeah, getting there. We've got a couple of signings left to announce as, as we get a little bit closer to the season, but we're looking pretty good. We've got a decent roster. We're working really hard on our, our match day as well. So people have uh, multiple reasons to come. It's not just the cricket, it's what else we do. And we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with women this year as well. We're really keen to to attract more women to cricket um, and to to make, you know, just to get everyone on board. Cricket's a great sport. T20 is a really easy sport to, to love and to get involved in. So, yeah, we're just looking at a whole range of different initiatives for this season and really keen just to get out there and get started. It's been a long off-season. Yeah, I bet it has. Well, anything of the, the cricket that you've been seeing in, in various places over the last couple of weeks caught your interest in, in particular? I mean, the Southern Stars or the or the uh, the one-dayers over in Zimbabwe? What 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 have you been watching or watched a bit of both actually so the girls are on fire as per usual they're just I think they're really setting a strong benchmark for for women's national teams not not just in cricket but in all codes uh so they that Pakistan the series against Pakistan they were just outstanding I think it was a clean sweep in the end so really well done by them and and you know it's great to see I think it's Meg Lanning who's going to be doing some commentary this year which is that's that's Fantastic for women to be to getting a seat to get a seat at that table. Um, obviously, watched a fair bit of the men's series with a with a couple of our Sixers players over there. So kept in uh, in touch with that close series. I think there were some interesting um, t- take homes from that. Mm-hmm. But like, um, uh, well, I think um, you know, I think people need to realise that it's not as easy to stay at the top. I think after last summer and the success of the team last summer, everyone just assumed that would continue through and you have to work really hard to, to stay at the top of your game. South Africa, sorry, a really, really strong um, team, not just from a one-day but also a test and T20 perspective. So I think it was a really good uh, check going into the World Cup next year uh, of what we need to do to, to win that uh, and we'll have there'll be more tests along the way. We've got an ODI and T20 series coming up with South Africa and then we before we go into the test series against India uh, and then a tri-series with India and England fr- from an ODI perspective before we head into the World Cup. So it's going to be a massive summer. There's something like 366 days of, of summer of cricket coming up, which is incredible because obviously after that, the, we have the test series in uh, in Dubai coming up against Pakistan and then after the World Cup, the boys head off to, to the UK for another Ashes. So... Yeah, it's we're all sort of just sitting in our desk bracing for what will be possibly the biggest summer of cricket we've seen in a long time. Head spinning. What about George Bailey's decision to stand down as the T20 captain? Did that take you by surprise? Yeah, it did a little bit, but I kind of understand where he was coming from. Um, obviously, with the ODI World Cup and, and Test Match, Test Match is always going to be, playing Test Match cricket will always be the, the very pinnacle of the sport, the, the top that everyone wants to get to. So I kind of understand with no major T20 tournament 
in the from a nas- uh, an international perspective sort of in the in the immediate future the focus is on the test match and the and the one day um one day cup so I kind of understand where he's coming from. He obviously wants to to maintain a certain level of form without the pressure of being a captain. So, and it's a great opportunity for Aaron Finch then to to take a leadership role, both on, you know on and off the field. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Jody Hawkins. So one of our panel today, Rachel Hickey and Jude Cohen are the others, and we're going to also have an interview guest. In fact, I should mention, you may have heard in the news before uh, Hens FC started, but our interview guest last week was Erin Phillips, who was just about to start the WNBA final series against Chicago Sky. She plays for Phoenix Mercury, and just before I came on air today, the Phoenix Mercury claimed the WNBA championship. So well done to Erin Phillips. She was a key member of that team the Australian Opals player Penny Taylor veteran Opals player as well was on the team for the Phoenix Mercury who won the WNBA title just a couple of oh about an hour ago Sandy Brondello was the manager or the coach of that team so it was 87 to 82 victory to the Phoenix Mercury over the Chicago Sky in the best of five series and uh, Taylor scored 11 points and sealed the result with two free throws late in the fourth quarter. Well done, Aussie girls all round. Our interview guest today, let's hope we bring her the same kind of luck, is Leah Blaney, who is the assistant coach of the Western Sydney Wanderers in the W League and the Women's Soccer League, the National League, the W League, starts t- today. In fact, well, there'll be a match that's almost finished now. I'll see if we can get you the score and that. If not, Shannon will definitely have, you, have it for you in settling the score score coming up after two o'clock but uh, Leah Blaney will be joining us to talk about the W League season and the opening match of the season for the Western Sydney Wanderers which is tomorrow and it's against her old club Canberra United but one of the big topics of the week we'll get the hens set them loose on it in a moment you're listening to Hens FC on ABC Grandstand ABC Grandstand Digital Grandstand Digital Tony Wilson welcome to Grandstand Breakfast oh Francis how are you I'm alright that name Niles Barkley oh gee I wish I was Niles my parents had no flair Francis Francis Leach I I would have been been a a very different life at 20 goals better centre half forward with a name like Niles Wilson Niles Wilson doesn't play centre half forward I would have been playing bass in a (laughs) in a funk band Francis Leach Friday to Monday every week on ABC Grandstand Digital. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC on ABC Local Monday is once again a hot topic of debate, largely thanks to another drama surrounding Cronulla and the decision to hire a topless waitress for their end-of-year festivities. Well, just when the Sharks thought their season couldn't get any worse, they're now being investigated by the NRL for their Mad Monday celebration. The Sharks' year of turmoil has continued. They've given the club and the game another headache. The incident uh, adds to their season from hell including the Asada Saga, troubled playmaker Todd Carney, and collecting the wooden spoon. These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's not a great look. It's just another manic Monday. The Daily Telegraph snapped players with a topless waitress at a Coogee bar. 
the NRL wrote to every club last week and said, do not embarrass us. Mad Monday is a concept. Let's just put that to the side for one moment. But knowing the season the Sharks have had, the way they've got battered from pillar to post. And now there's claims there that the, the bar owner, he got the waitress in, not the players and all the rest of it. He organised it. They need to know that they can't dress up and that they can't go to a bar where there's going to be topless waitresses. The club will now need to provide a detailed report on the day's proceedings. We're trying to grow the game. We're trying to yeah. present an image. That's what these players need to understand. It's not about them. It's also, when they're out in the public, it's about the image they're portraying. There's a new reality. There's a yeah. new reality. So you know what? If, you, if you're that desperate, guys, to have a couple of topless girls around, go somewhere private. Have it at someone's house. Let's go make some noise. Someone should have had the maturity to say, fellas, this isn't the scene that we want to be seen in. Let's move somewhere else. Mad Monday is an outdated day. It's got to go, you've got to get rid of the term Mad Monday. Interesting as it turns out that I've got media and communications ladies on the panel today. Now, let's start with uh, you, Jude Cohen. What would you do about Mad Monday? Paul Kent, who we heard speaking so strongly against the concept there, do you think it needs to go? Is it something that rugby league needs to move away from completely? I think the first thing I'd do if I rugby league or anyone stop calling it Mad Monday because it just puts on it, let's put women's dresses on and go out and act stupid. I don't think the whole post-season celebration needs to go, but I think what they've been doing is just, it's no longer acceptable. You know, they, and for some reason, they just can't get into their heads that things have changed that much now. Everything they do, they're living in a micro world. And like you said, it's not just about the players anymore or the club. It's about the fans. It's about the public. It's about the people, the mothers who don't want their kids involved in league because of how these guys go on. I mean, some of the, just the, some of the stuff they do, you'd think to yourself, how is it you've got to tell someone 20 plus years old how what, how, what is an appropriate way to act? Now, I don't mind saying, and this will come out later on anyway, that like, as a manly supporter, I do know for a fact they go to a, a sort of pub that is out of the area and they have a private room for their end of year celebrations. They have the media purse, whatever. They have some, they, they've decided to do that. I don't know what other teams do. I know that just because I know people that know what they do and everything. And I think, well, that never, it, it's always fine. Why they can't go to someone's house, have a barbecue at the rich sponsor's house? Mm. Who's going to, you know, you know what I mean? There's so many other options than going to a bar. And, like, who said, hey, it's okay, let's get a few topless waitresses in and just have a good time knowing there are people with iPhones, there are daily telephotographers. Like, I just, I don't know how much longer they can sit back and not get it. Yeah. There's no more excuses. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, you just it's it's almost breathtaking that you keep finding these topics are coming up and need to be discussed. Rachel Hickey, uh, I know you're working for an opposition code, but when you see it, what do you think? Oh, you beauty rugby league, you've shot yourself in the foot again. Oh, look, I think I think all codes and all sportsmen have the ability to do these silly things, and I don't think any code should sit there thinking it can never happen to them. Um, in the case of the Waratahs when they won um, the Super Rugby final, first time ever, um, which was a huge, huge effort for them, they then organised a lot of private, only family and friends allowed into, um, I think they were in a bar, but it was a segmented area where it was only them. Um, I think later on, some of them were seen down at Bondi, but it was sort of in a controlled sort of environment without obviously topless waitresses walking around. But um, I think the concept of of guys having a bit of fun, letting some steam off after a really big season, I don't have any issues with it, but it should be far more controlled and they should be far more conscious of the, the image that they're portraying um i mean one of i can only really speak for rugby but one of the big things for us is the is the values of the game and all the guys they understand what the values are and for us it's important for us to act if the values aren't being sort of upheld well we'll rip up their contracts um and yeah i mean to see the the cronulla guys i think the the shame of it for them is it's come on the back of so many other disasters and it is honestly the last thing that club needs. And I, I feel for the club because I think what's going on that, that these things keep happening. And, Debbie, you know, just, just quickly, doesn't say, you have to admit that a lot of the time, I do feel sorry for the guys. that are, like, Probably 80% of the team that are there are, are decent guys who just want to have a drink and have a good time. So often it's repeat offenders. Yeah. When does the line get drawn? Well, where's the leadership? Where's the leadership? And it's all very well to look at management, but... There should be leadership within a team. Who were the senior players yeah. that thought that, as Paul Kent said, who thought that, okay, they say, well, we, we didn't organise the topless waitresses, the, the, the people that owned the bar did or the bar owner did. Where's the, the guy, the leader in the team that steps up and says, actually, that's not a very good look for us. So either can they, can they go away, can they put clothes on or can we go to another bar? Jodie, who, who, who would you be asking questions of as a media and you've worked as a media and communications person in a rugby league club where would you start kind of trying to unpick who's to blame there oh yes very very good question I've I've babysat my fair my fair share of Mad Monday um, celebrations as well so I think a lot of their senior players are not around at this point in time. They've they've gone on holidays given the Asada dramas and those senior players. They've been banned and they've left the country. Those senior players, they're the ones, I mean, senior players are usually the ones who've been around the longest and unfortunately those are the guys that have been caught up in the the Asada situation. So, you know, there's there's not the the influence of the Paul Gallons there to to control these situations and to have a a more measured head, I guess, around it. Um, I... I know players don't like it, but I really think it's important that management at least know what's going on. Um, As a media manager, I would always set up an opportunity in the morning, get it done and get out of the way. Then media will often just let the players do their own thing. Just do it in a – I mean, we've had Mad Mondays in in pubs and public bars and those sorts of things, but it's about controlling the situation a little better. And it doesn't matter who, who that is, whether it's senior players, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's management, uh, media managers. Uh, I think it's just important to have a better control from a, 
from a publicity perspective, um, to have a better control over that situation. And, you know, after a year like that, I, I was at the Roosters in 2009, which was forever dubbed as the year from hell at the club. Uh, All your fault. Yes, of course. <laughs> My phone did ring an awful lot at six o'clock in the morning. Um, so we had, I think that year, 12 off-field incidents, five on-field wins. We knew we were going to be targeted for Mad Monday. You have a bad year, especially from a behavioural perspective. You know you're going to be targeted for Mad Monday. So we set up an opportunity. We put food out. We had the boys had beers, obviously. You can't hide the fact that people are drinking on a on a you know, end of season celebration, but we set up the opportunity and at the end the media left and the deal was leave them be, let them do their thing. They might come stumbling out the door. We can't control that, but at least you've got the funny photo of them in the kit and all those sorts of things. Control the situation as much as possible. Things will go wrong, but if you, if, if someone from a management perspective, you know, I, I didn't drink at those Mad Monday celebrations because I had to be the one to keep the sane head around what was going on. So I think there was a lack of, of leadership from a player's perspective, just given the situation they're in at the moment, plus a lack of probably an understanding from management. I think a really dangerous thing a club can do is say, well, we're banning Mad Monday. You, you don't ban it. You just give away any form of information or control over that situation so and sometimes you're better off setting it up and encouraging it you drive it underground in correct other words. so yeah. you yeah exactly you by by saying we ban it to the players all you're doing is making it the, completely their event rather than a club event that you've got more management of because regardless of whose event it is it will always reflect poorly on the club and the thing is it is their celebration now it's the end of a really tough season whether you've had a, a shocking season or you've had a great season, it's the, the chance to unwind because a lot of them, you know, get off the ring and are pretty healthy, you know, getting into the finals, that sort of thing. They're having a break. They have every right to do that. But I completely agree. Senior players, whether they want to or not, have to step up because the younger players will listen yeah. to a senior player who, who they would be worried they'll be in the bad books with if anything happens and it reflects on the club. I they'll be much, more, much be- more worried about being um, about, you know, Paul Gallen or... Jamie Lyon or, you know, um, mm. so being cranky at them than, than, you know, the chief executive or the media manager. Footy players are herd animals. I Absolutely. say it all the time. They have a pecking order and they really, the younger ones, really follow the cultural mm. example. Any team of, sports, of the, I think, oh, though. Yeah, well, yeah. yes. Any team sports. You're right. You don't team. want to be an outsider. Yeah, and you want to base your behaviour on, on the, the, the successful guys in the team. That's, Definitely. That's why the, the older players set the culture. Just quickly before we move on to our interview... I've heard the response so many times, so many from so many, particularly men, but I suppose there's probably some women who uh, have had a similar response. It was just a topless barmaid, nothing or or two, nothing happened. It, it's not illegal. They're just guys having fun. I mean, why can well, unless any, I assume you all are of the opinion that a topless topless barmaids are not good for the club, not good for the code. Do you want anyone want to explain why for anyone who still doesn't understand why that's the bad thing? Oh, do we understand men though? I think that's the problem. As a woman, I don't, you know, the thought of seeing male strippers to me is, I just think, oh God, revolting. I'd rather watch the um, Iron Men run down the beach in their little caps and looking, doing all their sporty stuff than watching male strippers. And I, no offense, but like, how many boobs do they need to see? <laughs> really? That's what it comes down to. Like, they've never seen them before. Yeah, footy players have plenty of opportunities and in us? their own private lives to see boobs. Well, I let's know. Be honest. That's what I What's wrong with, you know, 
beers and bets on a Saturday. Come on. What? I, I don't understand it, but I don't I'm a female. So <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where I just don't think we're ever going to have a, a really good understanding of why men think that's a really great addition to a Bucks Day or to a Mad Monday celebration. We're going to get someone with boobs. And Congratulations. Actually, you're targeting 50% of the population. You know, Whatever. I agree with that. We won't understand because it's the same as um, I don't understand women who scream at stars. Who mm. see someone and go, what? I don't get that. We never will. Mm. So we mm. just kind of go. But why is it bad for the sport, do you think? Or do you think it is bad for the sport? Or is it just bad for those guys? Oh, look, I, think, I think it's bad for the sport. I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's degrading to women. I mean, there's there's so many elements of this that's that just doesn't fall in under the, the good category. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's amazing that, that none of them thought this isn't right. Maybe we should move. Maybe we should not have this happening here. Yeah. But hard to sort of get in the heads of these guys, I suppose. That's right. Well, I guess they didn't really see anything near the top all year, so get that to show them something on their <laughs> Mad Monday. Uh, you're on Hens FC with Deb Spillane, Jody Hawkins, uh, Rachel Hickey and Jude Cullen. They're all media and communications ladies, all involved in sport of various types. And uh, we're going to be talking to uh, an assistant coach in the W League next to uh, just kind of get a bit of a view of the W League and how the season is shaping up for the Western Sydney Wanderers, but how the, the season is shaping up in general for women who play soccer at the top level in Australia. You're on Hens FC. ABC Grandstand Digital is now more mobile than ever with the new ABC Radio app. Available for both iPhone and Android, this is a simple, intuitive app for radio on the go. Radio on the go. It even lets you access digital radio right across the country. So to hear the best of ABC Grandstand on your phone, download the app now. It's ABC Radio anywhere, anytime. For more details, visit abc.net.au slash radio. On ABC Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on Grandstand Digital. Today's panel, Jude Cohen, uh, freelance media and communications uh, person who uh, is looking forward to working on the uh, season of golf coming up in Australia. Rachel Hickey is the media and communications manager for the Australian Rugby Union. And Jodie Hawkins has her own media and communications company and uh, probably her biggest client, Sydney Sixers, in the Big Bash League. So uh, all well qualified to look at many matters involving sport. But what none of us do is coach a sporting team and we're, we're going to speak to uh, someone now, Leah Blaney, who is involved in coaching the Western Sydney Wanderers team. They make their uh, uh, debut appearance tomorrow in the W League, taking on Canberra United, Leah's old team. Welcome to the show, Leah. Hi, um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on air today. Yeah, it's great to have you. So you're one day away from starting a new season, but this is a very, very new season for the Western Sydney Wanderers, isn't it? Because there's been pretty much a clear out of the existing team and you've got a whole heap of young players. I understand it's sort of the the core of the uh, Matildas under-17s team. Um, yes, I, it's, a, it's an exciting time for um, the, the youth uh, within Western Sydney area, being given this opportunity to play uh, in the W League, um, so yeah, we're looking forward to working with 
uh, these girls and, you know, with the end result being that we are a part of the development pathway in producing young Matildas uh, under-17s and, you know, eventually Matildas players. I guess this really does fall under that category of a, of a season of building, uh, a transition season for the club. What are, what are the realistic expectations given that you've got such a young squad and such a new squad? Um, I think the demographics of the group um, would definitely support us, you know, possibly finishing in the top four. Um, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be the competitor I am or the coach um, I am if I, I didn't foresee us, you know, hopefully finishing in the top four. Um, it's, a, it's a short season given it's 12 weeks. And again, I think it's good that we do have these younger players who have been working together, you know, in under 25 and under 20 sides with the Institute program, with the uh, National Women's Premier League, all the players have been playing together year-round, which um, I think is helpful going into the W League. So I think we, um, you know, I think we might surprise a few teams and I, I, I definitely don't think that uh, we're a team to be underestimated, that's for sure. And how's it going to feel for you coming up against the, I think it was the Canberra team were the, the last team you played for in the W League, weren't they? Um, yes, yes. The last time I um, played W League here in Australia at, uh, was for Canberra United. Um, so that'll be a good opportunity tomorrow to have my first, um, you know, role with helping assist coach. And it um, is up against Canberra, so it should be uh, a good game and I'm excited for it. Hi, Jody here. Um, just a quick question regarding how did you, from going from a player to a coach can often be um, a difficult process um how have you found that that progression of your career um i've I've enjoyed it thoroughly to date um i've been fortunate enough um that i was a former westfield sports high school student uh and they've given me a good opportunity in terms of coaching under the guidance there of um some very good coaches in the game such as trevor morgan and casey de bruin so they've definitely helped me along the way with that transition um other Influences in my career, um, such as Oscar Gonzalez, etc., um, really have shown me the ropes in getting into coaching. So um, I, th- I think I've been fortunate, given that they've been my influences, um, and it's made it a lot easier. Hi, Leah. Rachel here. Um, I'm interested. Our our rugby sevens women's and men's teams they're they're sort of housed at the same um, training facility up at Narrabeen and. They've, they do a lot together and there's a really healthy rivalry between them and they're sort of pushing each other to, to go the extra, get that extra bit of fitness or whatever it might be. I'm interested to find out um, what that integration looks like at the Western Sydney Wanderers between the men's and the women's team and if you could just um, update us on that. Okay, um, we're actually fortunate enough um, the other night that Popper came out to training, the Western Sydney Wanderers men's coach, and uh, he spoke to all the staff there and the players about uh, the opportunities for the women and the men's teams to uh, integrate a lot more than what they have in the past this season. So we're excited about that, that the club is all on board, uh, that we, we work together, the men's and the women's program, under one club. Um, so the future with that um, looks fantastic and I'm sure it's uh, really going to boost our game, having those influences and those relationships stronger than ever this season. Leah, hi, I'm Jude Cohen here. Congratulations on your appointment for a start. I'm just wondering, I was saying, you know, obviously Norm Borden's the head coach, your assistant coach, is it um, your coaching styles? You obviously know a bit about him having played, I believe, in Canberra when he was in Canberra. Is there any kind of going to be a good cop, bad cop scenario here? What's the the status going to be with you two with your coaching styles? 
Um, there's, uh, I think we'll complement each other. There's um, some other members. Linda Kalmas is also um, an assistant coach with the side. Um, so I think there's a very good combination of, yes, good help, bad cop, slash um, experience at all different levels of the game um, within the Wanderers staff. And I think uh, to date, um, for me personally, like the involvement I've had with the side um, has been tremendous and a lot more um, than I thought I'd be involved with given I was new to coaching, um, etc. So I think um, it's all run smoothly to date and I can only see it getting stronger and working really well for the season. We're speaking with uh, Leah Blaney, who's assistant coach to the Western Sydney Wanderers W League team. The W League has started today. Newcastle Jets have had a 1-0 win over Melbourne Victory in the season kickoff game that was played in Newcastle. Angela Salem was the goal scorer there. Um, how does that result strike you pretty much in line with what you would have expected or a surprise for you, Leah? Um, I think I think it's a, um, a, a fair result. As I said... I- the W League, it's a 12-week season. Um, every team is strong, and that's um, the beauty of women's football at the moment across Australia, that we are seeing growth in every single state um, across the board. So, I mean, for Newcastle to come out, I probably would have picked um, Melbourne um, going into the game, but, again, everybody's strong, and I think this season um, it would have been an error to underestimate anybody. I'm inter- talent out there. That's right, Leah. I'm interested looking at your profile that you played for a club called is it Eskilstuna in in Sweden? Yes, I um I had a short stint at Eskilstuna uh, after the WTS league um, folded the first season. Uh, that was the, the what played. the what was the WTS league? Sorry, fill me in. There. Uh, yeah, that was the top league in the US. Okay. Um, I played for the Boston Breakers there, and uh, after that league folded, the next best place for me to play professionally. Uh, was in uh, Sweden, and I extremely enjoyed that experience there. And, um, yeah, I, I ended up uh, leaving football at that point due to injury in that time. came home and got into coaching. Mm. So how does women's football in – you've played in the US, you've played mm-hmm. in Sweden. Now what's happening in Australia? How does that compare or contrast with the, your experiences overseas? Uh, well, obviously, uh, the, the US League is, you know, arguably one of the best leagues in the world and has been around um, for, for a long time. But I feel as though the W League um, is catching up. There's been tremendous games uh, gained in the women's game um, due to, you know, different people getting involved and really promoting the game and um, taking care of our, our homegrown girls, etc. So I think that the W League is is absolutely improving and it's an exciting time for women's football with it, for sure. Hey, Leah, Jodie again. Just a quick one. How long do you think it will take FIFA to to realise that the women's competition is becoming so much stronger and, and look at something like a World Cup? Well, I mean, they have a World Cup, but you may integrate it with Yeah, the, so, the, well, something yeah. that has that similar sort of profile, maybe playing it concurrently, making it an event the way that the, the men's World Cup is. Um, I, I think it, it will take time. Um, as I said, we are we are growing and we are developing and we are making significant gains. But yes, there is a long way to go. Um, starting small by us ourselves supporting the W League here would be fantastic. Before we look at um, FIFA level, you know, I would encourage and hope that all young females and males that are a part of the football community are attending our W League games, are watching our W League games, supporting our players, etc. Because really, the growth needs to start within. And then I think um, at a at a world level, we can look to um, make more changes. 
Well said, Leah. Now, Red and Black Block will hopefully get along at least in some decent numbers to support you in your first home game tomorrow. It's at Campbelltown, uh, 3 o'clock kickoff, is that right? Yes, Campbelltown Stadium at 3 p.m. Okay, well, if, if you love football in Australia, and it shouldn't matter whether you love women's football or men's football, if you just love football, get out and uh, support the Western Sydney Wanderers. If you if you want to give the game a kick along, that's at 3 o'clock tomorrow at Campbelltown, or you may choose instead to go and watch Sydney FC. Their game tomorrow is a 4 o'clock kick-off at Lambert Park. But Leah, good luck with the season ahead. Great to talk to you today, and uh, good luck to the Western Sydney Wanderers in, in the W League. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Leah Blaney, assistant coach to Norman Boardman with the Western Sydney Wanderers W League team. You're on Hens FC, Jody Hawkins, uh, Rachel Hickey and Jude Cohen, the panel today. And next, well, we might have a, a quick chat about the NRL, but also there's been something quite interesting happening overseas that seems a tailor-made topic for Hens FC. That's the, the Ray Rice situation in the United States. That's all still to come on Hens FC. Are you a member of a sporting club? At the ground level, across the body. Maybe it's your favourite footy club. Or your local sports club. If you love being a member of a club, then why not become a member of ABC Grandstand on Facebook? Stay up to date with sports results and join in discussions on the latest news from around the sporting world. Plus, view some classic sporting moments posted by the ABC Grandstand team. ABC Grandstand on Facebook. Become a member today. Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on Grandstand Digital. <laughs> We've got three ladies here who quite like their rugby league. So before we move on to uh, looking at the Ray Rising, I know we already talked about the Sharks, but you know, that, that's kind of the, the downside of the week. Uh, into, uh, you know, if you look at footy finals, I know Jude Cohen, she's just having a long gulp of water here because she knows <laughs> she's a manly supporter and we're going to ask her to explain what happened last night. How are you feeling, Jude? No. Can they pick themselves up after that? Look, I wish I could say I've always had on the number, their number one believer. Um, oh, it's going to be a bit hard, I think. We've, we're too injured. We're just um, – you know, look, don't get me wrong, South Sydney just – absolutely barreled us so, you know it was very hard to watch that first half um and pretty much the second half as well but they were brilliant South Sydney were fantastic and Manly just um yeah I think it's just 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 too many injuries and too many you know once you when you lose your hooker and then you lose your replacement hooker and then you've got a little 20 year old in there who hasn't played much and then he gets injured and you you know um yeah, we have lost quite a few players as well so unfortunately I don't hold a lot of hope however I will still continue to, you know, Be a fly their flag. I love my eagles. All right. Uh, Rachel Hickey, do you have a team in the NRL? Oh, look, not really. As a little kid, I used to go for the bunnies. So I sort of could get back on the bandwagon now that they, they looked pretty good last <laughs> night. Yeah, but, um, look, I, I don't I don't follow it that closely, the, the NRL. But interestingly, talking about, you know, teams with injuries, the, the Wallabies have had quite a few injuries as well. And, one of the things we've done recently is is establish the National Rugby Championship, which is sort of that in-between competition from club rugby to help guys get into super rugby. Um, and so that's actually, it's round four this weekend. And that's really about trying to get greater depth in the sport. And I think, you know, any whether it's a club or whether it's a, a national team, 
that depth is just so important and especially at finals time when you when you start getting a few injuries you've just got to be able to have guys coming off the bench to to sort of step up Mm. um so yeah look nrl i'll be on board with the bunnies going back to when i was a little kid but i have to say last night i was i was flicking channels between the geelong north melbourne game and the and the nrl so that was a tight game as well yeah it was a it was a great finish uh, the north melbourne and uh, geelong cats game but jody hawkins where where's your heart lie in this final series roosters of course of so course. um yeah they big game for them this this afternoon i think uh, if they go in underestimating penrith or thinking it will be an easy match they're going to be in a bit fair bit of trouble but uh, having seen a few of them during the week they're very focused I think they're really keen to get that week off so that they can get their, um, you know, the guys like Jake Friend through from injury and, and make sure they're ready for for the qualifying and then the grand final, fingers crossed, hopefully. Uh, but how incredibly amazing would it be to see a South Sydney Roosters grand final? That, I think for Sydney, that would just be amazing. Yeah, but see, I don't amazing. Like Why does everyone think that two Sydney sides is the ultimate? I'm be- not- only because of the passion between the two teams. Like the, yeah, I guess so. it, it's a It's a love-hate thing, like, you know... I'm not a. I don't like the bunnies whatsoever. I like I seeing get them it. get beat at every single opportunity, I and I think I that that <laughs> she hates the rooster. <laughs> that's Jude. I've, I want the cowboys in the grand final. I would. I'd like a actually because if Manly don't make it, a bunnies um, North Queensland mm. grand yeah. final. Well, I, I'm I'm tipping a roosters cowboys grand final. Uh, do, Jody, who are you tipping to play? You obviously have the Roosters in the grand final. You've got them. Yes, Roosters in the grand final. Ink. Yeah, who've you got penciled uh, in against them? I would probably – I'd like – I don't know. I mean, I, I think it would be great not from, to see the Bunnies in the grand final. They do like to choke in, in on that stage though, so we'll take it. Um, but I just think the, the passion between the two teams and the supporters of the two teams, I think that would be a, an incredible spectacle for, for rugby league. Um, North Queensland, they've got great supporters. Uh, I, I've got no doubt they would probably travel for that, but I just think there's that really str- there's a really strong feeling between supporters of, of the Roosters and supporters of the Rabbitohs. And- Is that because the Roosters supporters think they're better than the Rabbitohs supporters? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's a, there's a long history behind it. So, you know, the Roosters poach players from the Rabbitohs and there was a bit of push and shove between recruitment and all those sorts of things. It's just that, you know, there's the book of feuds. There's a book written on it. So (laughs) it's all, it's all, you know, just, I think that would be, it would be great for rugby league, but I'm happy to see anyone in the grand final as long as Roosters are one of the teams. Well, it's great having women talking about football so knowledgeably and that kind of segues into uh, the next little thing that I want to play you now. For those of you who don't follow American football, and I'll, I'll confess I'm, I'm not hugely into it myself, but the Ray Rice story that emerged earlier this year, there was footage of him getting into an elevator um, with his then fiance, now wife, and then footage of him pretty much dragging her unconscious out of the elevator on an, on another level um, of whatever building they're in. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. But at the time, he was, he, he was suspended for two games by the NFL for that. Footage of what happened inside the elevator emerged over the past week and it shows him actually striking the, the woman, he, his fiancée, quite violently. She bangs her head on the railing inside the elevator as she, as she falls. And uh, so he's now been banned indefinitely. And it prompted 
a woman who works for Fox Sports in the United States. Now, I had this recommended to me by a friend who's a lady called Lisa Olson who worked in Australia as a sports journalist and she still works as a sports journalist in the US. And she actually posted this on Facebook and recommended that uh, women who like sport have a listen. So it just seemed perfect for Hens FC. Have a listen to Katie Nolan and her story about her reaction to everything that's happened with this Ray Rice situation. Hey guys, two facts you may or may not know about me. Number one, I'm a woman. And number two, I love football. A lot. Like, as much as you, if not more. I spend my whole week looking forward to Sunday. I am in three fantasy leagues and, might I add, undefeated this season. But all this Ray Rice stuff has put me in an uncomfortable position. How do I reconcile my values and beliefs with my love for a sport that has an ongoing issue with domestic violence? How do I support a commissioner who needed to see a video of a man punching a woman in the face in order to realize it's unacceptable? A leader whose governing decisions appear to be based on a brotastic internet meme. Many are calling for a boycott of the league, but let's face it, it just isn't practical. The only other widely accessible source for football then would be the NCAA, whose governing body makes Goodell look like Mother Teresa. Boycotting the NFL would mean giving up football entirely, and it just isn't realistic to think that the majority of society, enough people to make the desired financial impact, will give it up. More likely, a boycott would just remove the critical thinkers from the NFL conversation and leave the league to continue making billions of dollars with even less accountability. A boycott means walking away. I would rather fight back. About a month ago, at a Fox Sports NFL symposium, I had the opportunity to ask Roger Goodell a question. I wanted to ask him why, when the NFL is always talking about growing their audience and penetrating new markets, why would he not consider a larger suspension for Ray Rice to send the message to the untapped market of female fans that the NFL actually cares about them? I worded it and reworded it in my head. But then, fear crept in. I started thinking, well, the commissioner is here as a guest of Fox, and if I offend him in some way, I'm definitely going to hear about it from my bosses. And it's really not my role. I make sort of funny videos for the internet that are watched by a handful of people. This wasn't my place, so I stayed quiet. I didn't ask. I played the role that had been assigned to me. Women in sports television are allowed to read headlines, patrol sidelines, and generally facilitate conversation for their male colleagues. Sometimes they even let us monitor the internet from a couch. And while the Stephen A. Smiths, Mike Francesas, Dan Patricks, and Keith Olbermans of the world get to weigh in on the issues of the day, we just smile and throw to commercial. A lot of people like to justify women's supporting role in sports media by saying, well, they've never played the game, so they just aren't qualified to speak about it. Because God forbid someone misspeak about the game. But topics like domestic violence and racism and corruption, let's let Boomer handle those between downs. It's time for the conversation to change, or at least those participating in the conversation. It's time for women to have a seat at the big boy table, and not where their presence is a gimmick or a concept, just a person who happens to have breasts offering their opinion on the sports they love and the topics they know. Because the truth is, the NFL will never respect women and their opinions as long as the media it answers to doesn't. I'm ready when you are, Fox. Okay, ladies, that was Katie Nolan, who works for Fox Sports in the United States, and her reaction 
not just to actually what Ray Rice did, but the whole issue of how women get treated with a bit more respect generally in football. Uh, any of you think it's an overreaction, overreach, or do you reckon she's nailed it? Uh, I'll start with you, Jodie. I think she's probably nailed it, but I've, I've, I'm just so desperately disappointed that women in that, like that she especially in that situation felt she couldn't ask that question. Um, I guess I'm quite lucky where I feel, I hope, um, but I definitely feel that I have a great amount of respect with the people that I work uh, work with and they have a lot of respect for me. Um, I, but I think she's probably right. I think there are a lot of uh, media or broadcasters out there who, who do just often throw women the token role, the softly, softly role and I think it's about time we we stood up and people realise we can ask the hard questions. We do want to know the answers to those hard questions and we are just as able to keep people accountable as men are. What about you, uh, um, Rachel? Oh, I think as well we need audiences to really welcome women when they are in those roles that are not just on the sidelines, that if they are in, in a main commentary position, that audiences welcome them and appreciate that they have a view um, rather than just thinking that they're the token girl asking the cute questions. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I think I think she's made lots of really, really good points. Uh, Jude Cohen? Oh, definitely. It's it's a shame she, you know, as, but I think she said out loud what a lot of um, female journalists and women in sport um, would be um, going through a lot of the time. Um, because the minute you stand, say something like, well, they won't listen to me, or if it's like, oh, they're whinging or whatever. But if a guy said the same thing, it, it's true. It's just the way it is. And, you, you know, you choose to work in sport. And a lot of the time there are a lot of women in male sports. And just because I haven't played rugby league doesn't mean I don't know a lot about it because there's quite a few very well-known male rugby league commentators who've never played the game and journalists who, um, you know, who've never played the game and are quite, you know, happy to give their opinions free to everyone. So, yeah, it's it's a real shame, though, that she, she – we're talking about the thought process she actually sat and went through thinking – I could ask this question. This is how I'll go about it. This is but what she I'll says say. she would get into trouble exactly. from her bosses from for asking that question. And doesn't that make Fox look good? Yeah. Well. Um, well, it's it's her take on it. Yes. But it, but she's been brave enough now to come to out. Say. So it will be interesting to to know what the reaction of Fox. Uh, but do you think just quickly because we really are running out of time here. If the media treats women better, is that going to be a factor in 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 bringing more? women into sport if, if the media treats women on TV and on radio and in papers on sport better? Well, the media really is the conduit to the fan, right? So th- that's the media, of the you know, they're the, in between the, the sport and the fans. And if I think if the media take that view, the fans will take that view and that's where the process starts. Anyone disagree? We could go on for ages about it. (laughs) We could. Uh, Well, it's been great to have you ladies on the panel today. Jodie Hawkins, who's got her own media and communications company. Uh, Rachel Hickey from the ARU Media and Communications Manager there. And Jude Cohen, freelance media and communications person. Uh, This has been Hens FC, and I've put a link to that Katie Nolan uh, comment up on Twitter. ABC Grandstand Digital is now more mobile than ever with the new ABC Radio app. Available for both iPhone and Android, this is a simple, intuitive app for radio on the go. It even lets you access digital radio right across the country. So to hear the best of ABC Grandstand on your phone, download the app now. It's ABC Radio anywhere, anytime. 
For more details, visit abc.net.au slash radio. ABC Grandstand.